Welcome to Modern Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service, brought to you from our beautiful historic sanctuary in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. We appreciate your participation in this morning's broadcast and pray that God's message will speak to you in a beautiful way. Let's join in as the message has already begun. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Serve and worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name, for the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, friends, I want to talk to you today about the action steps and the plans that you have for Thanksgiving. We'll have more success in reaching our goals, as we've just talked about, having a week of Thanksgiving. If we'll write them down, if we'll think about it, or put some action steps with them. And with this thought in mind, I want to talk about this Thanksgiving Psalm this morning from Psalm 100. And I want to work on some gratitude-enhancing goals for each of you. And they're all going to come right out of the scripture from Psalm 100. One of the spiritual practices that we've talked about here, I've preached on it, it's been done as a class here at Marvin Church, been taught in several different ways, it's called the rule of life. And we know this through the great work of the monastic father, St. Benedict, who created a rule of life to organize the life of those in his monastery, but then it was found to be something to be helpful for Christians today. Christians across the world will experience and use a rule of life. It simply means that we set up some rules or guidelines for our lives and we have some action steps with them and we work on those things to bring transformation by the grace of God and the work of Holy Spirit in our lives. The word rule, let it don't frighten you, comes from the Latin word where we get the word trellis. So if you think about it, we are staking up our lives. Just like a gardener would go to his vineyard of grapes and he would do, use a trellis to get those grapevines not spreading out in the ground where they get dirty and muddy, but staking them up towards the sunlight where they can receive the fresh uh, rains that come that nourish the plant and also get the sunlight to maximize the growth potential. That's what we're talking about when we talk about a rule of life. So I want to talk to you this morning about a Thanksgiving trellis or a Thanksgiving plan, if you will, for the week ahead. You will seem to be with me with this idea of let's make it a week of Thanksgiving. So let's put a little action steps to this and let's use the scripture. So if you have your bulletin this morning, on the back, I keep it empty for you. And look, wow, lo and behold, on the back of mine, I've already written some outlines here, the trellis points. So you're going to, in this, this corner right here, you're going to write the word worship. Just at the top of this, write the word worship. And then next to that, write the word service or serve. And then next to that word will be the word know, K-N-O-W. Know that the Lord is good, right? And then lastly is the word thanks. So if you miss those, they're right in Psalm 100. And I'm going to touch on each one of them. You can fill that in. But again, worship, serve, know, and thank. We're going to let you take notes kind of down each one of those. Build a trellis. And at the very end, you'll see that they'll have some ideas for action steps for the plan for how you will have a great 
Thanksgiving week. That's our goal today. So let's jump right into this idea of worship. But before that, I'm getting ahead of myself. The title, if you look at this, if you still have your Bible open, the title of Psalm 100 has a subtitle. It says, Forgiving Grateful Praise. And the other translations say, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. So that should look familiar to some of you who have your Bibles open. That's because many scholars believe this is a song that was sung by pilgrims who are making their way to the temple to offer a thanksgiving offering, or what they would call in those days a thank offering. So you would find yourself maybe getting a blessing in your life, and this was a spontaneous offering. This is not, a, uh, not one that's required by the law. All right, so it's not mandatory. This is truly spontaneous. A blessing comes your way, the birth of livestock, the birth of a child, the birth of grandchildren, uh, some kind of inheritance, some kind of a blessing, a, a bumper crop comes your way, and you go to the Lord and you offer a thank offering to God. Or maybe you've been sick or someone in your family has been sick and all of a sudden there's healing and there's wellness and and everyone is restored to health. And in that moment, you would go to the temple voluntarily with a thank offering. Now, you would take all of your family and you would go with probably some kind of animal to to offer as a sacrifice and also some bread that would be offered as well. And you would go to the priest and as you were making your way into the temple area, the father would take the, the sacrifice into the priest to the holy area to, for the sacrifice, there would be this singing, the singing of this psalm. So the context, friends, of what we're talking about today is this idea of a thank offering or a fellowship offering being brought to God and made as an offering to the, the place for the priest. Now, they would take the animal, the animal would be prepared, and the, the, the fat portions would be burned off totally to the Lord. The priest would get a choice offering. That's how the priests were sustained in those days. And then guess what? The family took the rest of the animal to to enjoy for a meal and a celebration, a festival, if you will, or a feast, if you will, to be had with all that were there gathered together. And the stipulation of Leviticus 7, 11 through 15 says, no leftovers, right? All had to be consumed. All that you brought, the bread and also the animal, had to be consumed as a time of celebration. This was a time to celebrate the generosity of God. There was no scarcity, no holding some back for maybe a later day. And with that was this idea of a trust that God would continue to provide his blessings and his goodness in your life. Just like, remember the story? This is kind of a Bible echo of the manna in the wilderness. They couldn't store some up. They could only take what they needed for the day, right? Because that what they stored up would go bad. So there was this idea of like, eat all of the celebration food. So there you go. There's your license. You can just say, well, Pastor Doug said we got to eat it all, right? So on Thursday, you can say when this great feast is before you, we're not leaving any any food behind, right? No leftovers. I know that's disappointing because many say leftovers is the best part. But you know what? The other part I want you to miss is this was done in community. And so that's what would help eat this food. As you were to gather, you could gather neighbors and friends to join you in a celebration. Isn't that great? It was a communal celebration. This blessing has occurred in my life. I want to gather my family and friends together. We're going to have this feast. We're going to celebrate that we have been blessed by God. That's the background of Psalm 100, and that's what I want to talk about with you today. So let's put this word up there, worship. Take some notes with worship. Shout for joy. 
to the Lord. Come before him with joyful songs. Now, this psalm was actually, verse 4, was the call to worship our choir sang at the beginning of our worship service. This scripture is a psalm that is continually read even today in the synagogues of our Jewish brothers and sisters in this community and around the world. But I want to focus today on the word shout. The word shout in Hebrew is ruah. Ruah in Hebrew. Similar to, come on Marines, urah, right? Or, or if you're in the army, huah, which means, all right, let's go. An order's given, and the response is, urah. But for the Hebrew children, it was this ruah, shout, shout. And the celebration, what I learned this week, is when a king came into people's presence, the, the people would respond with a shout of victory. We are only victorious because of our great king. And with enthusiasm, our king is strong and victorious. We share in the victory. And there's a wink to this idea that's found in that great hymn of the church. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Right, there you go. This idea of a shout, this is enthusiasm. And friends, this is what the church should be like. When we gather to celebrate the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, which we'll do next Sunday at the end of the Christian year, and today on Thanksgiving Sunday, we've got a message to the world. We shout the victory and the joy because the Lord is with us and the Lord has blessed us. And it's a wonderful celebration to bring the, ur, to bring the I won't say the Ura, but the Ruah of God, the shout of God for this enthusiasm. Enthusiasm, again, comes from the word entheos, in, in, Theos, meaning God. When we are enthusiastic, we are full of God. And we are to come into this place and worship the Lord our God with, and love the Lord our God with all our what? With all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, right? With all our strength and all our voice. Charles Spurgeon once said, our happy God should be worshiped by a happy people a cheerful spirit in keeping with the nature of his mighty acts. Well, you may say, oh, Doug, I don't feel like that today. I mean, you don't know what kind of week I've had. I've had a horrific week. And you don't know how I didn't sleep well last night. Maybe the kids kept me up, or maybe I've got indigestion, or maybe I had some things on my mind, but I just could not sleep last night. I come to church, and I just don't feel like bringing all that joy and jubilant enthusiasm, right? Have you ever been there? I've been there. Can you believe that? Even the preacher's been there, right? Surprise, right? Sometimes I got to get a good song going in the car to get me to church just to kind of get me reared up and ready to go again. Ruah, shout for joy unto the Lord. Friends, it's just like going to exercise. There's some of you who get up in the morning, you exercise, you do your exercise ritual. When you get out of bed, you're like, oh, man, phone, please tell me it's raining outside so I can't go outside for my run or my walk, right? Or, or I, I just don't feel like it today. But then once you get on that treadmill, once you get on that, on that elliptical, once you start walking those steps, you start coming alive. You start feeling alive. And I, friends, I believe the same should be true for the church. 
I believe that even if you come into this place and you're discouraged and if you're sad and if you've had a hard week and if this first Thanksgiving may be hard for you because of a death that you've experienced or maybe a divorce that's occurred, that's okay. You need to grieve and we're going to give space for that. But we're going to still sing that song while you can't sing. And we're going to speak that name of Jesus while you can't speak it. And we're going to have hope and we're going to have joy for you. Come on, church. We need to bring the hope and the joy every Sunday because that's what this world needs to see more than anything. There's the, there's the worship. There's the worship. The worship at Marvin Church needs to be authentic. It needs to be jubilant. It needs to be filled with joyful songs unto the Lord. And then you're going to have an opportunity here at the very end to sing this last hymn with all your voice as we praise the Lord today. The second word is serve, serve. Now, I know in the Bible, in the NIV, it's translated, you shall worship the Lord with gladness. Your role here today, though, is to serve. And I think that's why they call it a worship service. Because I'm asking you to sing today. I'm asking you to pay attention today. I'm asking you to read along with me today. I'm asking you to speak the prayers and uh, the confessionals today. I'm asking you to even take notes today. What's going on? The pastor's asking so much of us all of a sudden, right? What did we sing about last week, choir? Rise up. Rise up, church. Rise up, this is our hour. This is when the world needs to see us. This is when the world needs to see the enthusiasm and you come to a worship service and you offer your service to the Lord with gladness. Now the Hebrew word in, in Psalm 100 verse uh, two is abad. It literally means to work and to serve. So I differ with the NIV translators here. I think it should be serve the Lord with gladness. And we know that the biggest part of what we bring, sometimes people say, well, we don't going to get emotional in church now, Pastor. Let me just remind you, it's emotion, right? Motion is the biggest part of that phrase. Whether we're standing, whether we're lifting our hands, whether we're using our voices, whether we're, that's how we are serving the Lord today. Romans 12:1. in view of your God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. Make service to others your act of worship. Not only in this building, but let's say at the end of our worship service, we're going to disperse into the world. That's what's going to happen. And we're going to disperse into our families this week. And we're going to have Thanksgiving celebrations. Some of us will travel. Some of us will stay in town. Wherever you're going, it's time to take the serve game on, friends. Serve the Lord how? Oh, yeah, this happened at 832. <laughs> serve the Lord with gladness. <laughs> Come on. We're going to serve the Lord with gladness. So how can we serve our families? I was talking with a, a church member who was in the hospital last Sunday, and I was visiting her after our 175 celebration. There was another church member there and a caregiver there, and we started talking about what's your favorite food for Thanksgiving, what has to be on the table, and, and the caregiver just came to life. She started talking about all the special things she likes to make. She started talking about all the things her kids say has to be made, right? She started talking about what gets made on Tuesday and what gets made on Wednesday. And then there's some things that can't be made until Thursday. And how it all comes together in this amazing meal on Thursday. Oh, my gosh, what great service. Some of you, I've already made you start getting hungry. Others of you, I'm kind of overwhelming in this moment. I get it. But let me say this. To those who serve in kitchens... Where you're a Mary or a Martha, 
Let's serve the Lord with gladness. And friends, let's say to all of us who maybe are not the chefs of kitchen, make sure you thank them for their service. Thank them. We talk about thanking our veterans. You thank the person who's the primary person making the meal for your family. Whether you're going and visiting someone, you thank that host, that hostess for that great work they are providing for you. One of the blessings in my life was I had a godly father. And my godly father had a position that I will always remember and I learned long ago on Thanksgiving Day after mom had done this magical meal. My dad was the first to stand at the kitchen sink. And his role was to wash the dishes. And I learned as a young boy that my place was right next to my father to help wash and dry the fancy china that we used maybe once or twice a year, right? And friends, I'm not saying this to make you guilt in, and please hear me on this, wives or spouses, you cannot say to your spouse, well, Pastor Doug said you gotta do the dishes. That, that nullifies everything I'm saying right here. But times, let's serve with gladness. Let's step up to that place. Let me tell you, the first uh, Thanksgiving after my father died in 2009, we were down in Houston because we wanted to be near my mom. It had only been weeks. My dad died on November 1st. It had only been weeks since his death. We were gathered to be with mom, to rally around mom. And when I went to the kitchen sink, dad wasn't there. But my nephews started showing up. And there was something special about that Thanksgiving that even in our grief and even in our sadness of missing dad, there was family and there were other family members stepping in and serving joyfully. And there was great camaraderie. And I will always remember that. After the meal, you'll find my place at the kitchen sink because I follow a savior who was not afraid of the towel. He washed his disciples' feet. Let's do Thanksgiving well and let's serve with what? With gladness. Whether you go and get a Starbucks coffee for the primary meal maker or whether you uh, offer to give them a back rub mid-work mid time or, or do something to give them a break or tell them you'll wash dishes in between while they're doing their thing, whatever it is, step in and serve. No is the next word. No. Part of our increasing of Thanksgiving, must, we must be mindful. We must think about these things. It's been said, the more we think or know about God, the more we have to thank God. Now, according to neurologists, our brains have a storage capacity of approximately 2.5 petabytes. Friends, that's 1,000 to the 50th power, or 1 million gigabytes, or 1,000 terabytes. The equivalent of recording 300 million hours of high-definition television. Wow. You have the capacity to learn something every second, every minute, every hour of your life for a thousand lifetimes. That's how powerful your brain is. You might have trouble, though, recalling some things, but you can still continue to learn throughout your days. And as one of my friends said after the 830 service, I think I need a new processor. <laughs> Richard Restack in his book, Mozart's Brain and the Fighter Pilot, states, if you learn more, you'll begin to see more. 
If you learn more, you'll begin to see astronomers have a great appreciation for constellations and planets and stars because they study it. So when they see the galaxy, they are amazed and astonished. They see more because they know more. Musicians have a greater appreciation for chords and melodies and instrumentation because they have studied music theory. They play an instrument themselves. They have learned, and so they see more, and they can appreciate good music when it's been done, and it's been done well today, by the way. Friends, let us continue to know God. Know God and continue to learn and have a lifestyle of always learning. Psalm 139, 14 says, We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Therefore, know the Lord is God. It is he who has made us. And let me just share with you, speaking of being made by God, did you realize that you have 60,000 to 100,000 miles of veins, arteries, and capillaries inside your body? That if you took every one of those veins, arteries, and capillaries and strung them end to end, it would go around the earth two and a half to three times. And all that is inside of you. Wow. God did that. So that every tissue, every piece of skin, every organ would have the blood supply it needed to make you alive and to heal itself when it gets injured. Your heart beats three billion times in your lifetime. Your eyes blink 10 million times a year. And get this, you have 8,000 taste buds on your tongue. And use them all, right, this week when you gather for Thanksgiving. And I'm grateful for this last one. The thickest skin is on your feet and the thinnest skin is on your eyelids, right? Praise God for divine design. There's been no human 2.0. God made us wonderful. And not only did God make you wonderful, God redeemed you when your life was darkened by sin and rebellion, when you made decisions that hurt yourself and hurt others. Christ died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Friends, this is good news. As it says in Psalm 103, who forgives your sins, who heals your disease, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion and your youth is renewed like the eagles. That's God's good redemptive work. Ephesians 1, 7 says, In Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of his sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Boy, there's a whole sermon there about the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his family, to bring us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great, get this, it gave him great delight to be restored and to be in reconciled relationship with the creatures that he had created. Kara saying today for us the goodness of God. Your mercy, your goodness, it's running after me. Have you thought about that? It's straight from Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Do we know God, how much God truly loves us? And lastly, thank. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. 
I think the worshipers long ago who were bringing the thank offering to the temple had no idea what we know now today. Their world was probably limited to 50 miles. They didn't have cars or airplanes or cruise ships to take them to exotic places. All they knew was their agrarian lifestyle in that little area, in that part of Israel. And yet they came to bring a thank offering to God. They didn't have the knowledge of the amazing intricacies of the human body, as I've just shared with you, the number of plants and stars and moons in the solar system. And yet they were grateful for God. And they didn't have homes filled with stuff to enjoy and storage facilities when they didn't have room for it in their homes anymore. I learned this week that there are 2.8 billion square feet of rentable storage space in America. 2.8 billion square feet for 332 million people. That's eight square feet per person. That is amazing. We could all live in storage spaces if we, if we had to. I'm not advocating for that. But all I'm saying is, we are victims of the law of culture of consumerism, an advertising that fuels discontent and a quenchable, unquenchable appetite for more and more stuff when God says, give thanks. Stop and just give thanks. I read some this week, and I'll close this up here. Just uh, first Thanksgiving in America, 1621, 53 passengers from the original Mayflower survived out of 102. In that first year, in the new land, half of them didn't make it. They built more coffins than houses, friends. And the Indians had just gone through a terrible time of disease. Squanto was one of the lone survivors of his tribe, and he came to help and to teach them how to make food. I think when they gathered to give thanks to God that first Thanksgiving, they weren't thanking God necessarily for the harvest, though they were. Half of them were thanking God that they were still alive. We have so much to be thankful for. Our lives are so comfortable. I'm not saying go out and make yourself a hard life, but I am reminding us all today of 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a blessing when the choir was warming up this morning, or maybe it was the seekers class, somebody started singing, count your many blessings one by one. I heard it as I was walking through the halls. That's the song of my heart this week. I hope it'll be the song of yours as well. Let's see what God has done. Now let's take a few moments to now look over that list. I know it's not complete, but you have time maybe this afternoon and a couple days here in the early in the week to begin to flesh it out a bit. Make a little plan. What kind of things do we want to add to the list of things we want to thank God for? Do we, what things do we want to know or learn? How can I learn something new about God this week that will help me to be more thankful for who God is? How can I step in and say, how can I help you this week to somebody who is working and trying to do something wonderful for a family how can I worship? We are so blessed to have a little computer in our possessions at all times. I put in this week Thanksgiving songs and hymns. Found this wonderful website that had the top songs, both contemporary and traditional, that you could sing. I'm, I'm all for singing Christmas carols, friends, 
But let me tell you, let's fill this week with some Thanksgiving songs and hymns that we could sing to God, and let's do it with great joy. And I say we do it right now. Friends, have a plan. Have a plan and have a great Thanksgiving. Work the plan, make some mistakes. That's okay. God's grace forgives us. But have a great Thanksgiving as you attentively work and live out Psalm 100 for your family, for your friends, for your witness for Christ. I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God. Thank you for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship services at 8.30, 11 on our campus in downtown Tyler, Texas. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and ways that you can partner with us to make a difference for God's kingdom here in Tyler and around the world. Contributions can be made to the church through our QR code now seen on the screen or by sending a check to the church. May God bless you and may you have a great day.